Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, I want to give you a, uh, I want to give you a warning, a notice, however you want to put it this morning. Uh, we're going to conclude the service a little bit different today. At the end of service, I've asked Megan just to come back up, and she's going to lead us in a little bit of worship, and we're going to uh, have just a moment of, of seeking the presence of the Lord and soaking in the presence of the Lord. And during that time, if you have a personal need that you, you're trusting God for, you said, I need the help of God in some area of my life, whether it's physical, financial, emotional, relational, something with your family, whatever it is today, we would love to pray with you. And so uh, when I call people forward to prayer this morning, uh, I would love for you to come up and let us pray. And I understand there's a lot of things going on. If you're needing to sneak out during that time, uh, I promise I won't, uh, I won't make fun of you or put your picture on Facebook. We understand there's a lot going on, but we do want to take a few moments to pray for every person who would like to receive prayer before the service is over. Well, I, I've referred, I've used the phrase four or five times this morning, holiday weekend, right? How many understand this is a holiday weekend? Some of you are off work tomorrow because it's a holiday weekend. Some of you are having to work tomorrow because it's a holiday weekend. But did you know that beyond what is on the U.S. calendar, did you know that there's another holiday this weekend? That today is Pentecost Sunday. How many knew that? And so I want to talk to you this morning about Pentecost and what does it matter. Uh, there's a lot of people that may not understand what it means. Maybe you've heard the word a lot. Maybe you think it's just a title that some churches put on their name or as a theological stance that certain groups of people uh, cling to. I want to kind of give you a little bit of uh, a background of why it matters, where it comes from. Uh, for, the, for the first off, just the name, Penta. In the Greek, it simply means the name uh, Pentecost. It's speaking of the word 50. It's a numerical term. It's 50 days. And uh, Pentecost happens 50 days after Passover. So we just talked about Passover a few moments ago in communion, correct? When God uh, got ready to deliver his people out of Egypt, he had them give the Passover meal where they took uh, what we kind of celebrate just through communion, but they had a season of, of Passover meal where they're ready to celebrate. And the Lord told them, hey, remember this meal, remember this Passover event. He told them, I want you to celebrate it every year, and I want you to celebrate it the same way, remembering of how I brought you out of Egypt. Well, 50 days after their original Passover in the Old Testament, uh, you'll find in the book of Exodus that 50 days after Passover is when Moses went up on the mountain of God, and God met with him, and he gave them uh, the Ten Commandments. God wrote on stone how uh, how the people were to live and, and, and how they were to conduct themselves and these different things that would make the people of God stand out from the people of the world. And so 50 days after Passover came Pentecost, and just like they were commanded to always celebrate Passover, they were also instituted this festival of Pentecost where they would remember how God met with them. And so throughout Israel's history, every year, 50 days after Passover came Pentecost, where they would celebrate how God met with men and how God wrote his laws on stone. I think it's also 
fascinating that we find in the Old Testament, the scripture that talks about how in the future God would take his law, instead of writing it on stone, he would write it on our hearts. And I believe that's also what happens at Pentecost. The, the word of God becomes a source we only think of and glean from the outside to where it comes something that is speaking to us on the inside. So fast forward to the New Testament. It is on Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, where most people in the city were celebrating what God had done through Moses, how God had delivered the law, how God had delivered his presence to Moses in that moment, how God had showed up in their life. It's, it, people are celebrating that historic day when what we now as New Testament believers, what happens when we normally think of Pentecost, we don't normally think of, of Moses and the law being given, and we don't, our minds don't naturally go there. We kind of know it, but we, our, most of our minds go to Acts chapter 1, which is where our text will come from this morning. It said, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he being Jesus... He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father, my father, my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. For time's sake, I want to skip down to verse number eight. It talks about what is this gift of the Holy Spirit. It says you'll receive Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Fast forward again to chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Why? Because Jesus said, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. And so they've been waiting for days, seeking for days what the Lord would want to do. And while the whole city is celebrating Pentecost about what God has done in the past, here is this group of people seeking what God wants to do today. I would say, God, let us be a church that doesn't just rejoice in what God has done in the past, but let us be a church that is seeking what God wants to do today. Amen? Let us always be that church. And they were together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. Why? Because they were there celebrating Pentecost, that Old Testament festival that we read about. They were there for that purpose. So they were staying God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard speaking in his own language. Father, I pray that this morning the word of God will simply work. Let it first work in me because, Lord, apart from me, or apart from you, Lord, I can do absolutely nothing. Lord, let it also work in each of us this morning because we need the Spirit of God to help us 
hear and respond and become everything you want us to hear and respond and become today. Help me to speak the Word of God with clarity. Help us hear the Word of God despite any limitations or distractions that might be in our hearts and our minds today, and we'll give ourselves to responding to it. We'll give you thanks. Everybody in the room said amen. If you're reading the Scriptures in a real live paper Bible, you might have noticed that uh, most of what I read out of chapter 1 was in red letters. It's actually the words of Jesus to us. It was Jesus who was, who was setting up this, this uh, occasion that would happen on the day of Pentecost. And it was His command they were following when they gathered in that upper room, when they sought Jesus as He had promised. And the purpose of my message today is single-fold. It is to convince you to be a lifelong seeker of everything Jesus has promised. I want to say that again. My challenge today is to convince you to be a lifelong seeker of everything, I want to say the word again, everything that Jesus has promised because it's very easy to become apathetic and assume that what I've seen from God, heard from God, experienced from God must be all there is, especially if you are like me. If you've been in church a long time, you've been a Jesus follower for a long time, it's easy to convince yourself, well, if I was going to receive something from the Lord, I've probably already received it. He's probably already done that. Sometimes we inadvertently put a t-shirt over our heart that would say, been there, done that. But I would say this, God's got more for you, right? Pentecost Sunday was an awakening to the early church, actually it was the birthplace of the early church, announcing to the world that Jesus has more for us. And every promise of God is tied to the purpose of God. Pentecost is the same way. The promise was this power. The purpose was so that others who are far from God can be made near to God. The purpose of the power was not to make us feel good. It was to enable us to do the good that Jesus wants us to do. God, help us when we only seek the feeling good and not the doing good. That's a great place for somebody to say amen. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk to you. I'm not even going to give you any any, uh, points this morning. I'm just going to ask you some questions. And let's let you answer them where you are are sitting today. Number one, the first question I would ask about Pentecost is why? Why did Jesus require Pentecost? Why do we celebrate? I mean, if you're in the room today, you probably know why we celebrate Christmas, right? It's the birth of Jesus. You probably understand why we celebrate Easter or Resurrection Sunday because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. You probably understand why we celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day, even though those aren't in the Bible. We do know that we've been commanded to what? Honor our father and our mother. So we all understand why we celebrate those days. We understand why we would even put, a, put attention, but do we understand why Jesus required Pentecost to be a stop for the early church and for his church today? He said, don't leave. Now, I know the word require. Most of the time, that kind of rubs people the wrong way, which is why I used it. Because sometimes we think the commands of God are more like great suggestions instead of great commands or great commissions. 
And Jesus did not say, I suggest you go to Jerusalem and you stay there. And I would recommend you stay there no matter how long it takes until you are endued with a power that is from me so that you can do what I've called you to do. Do you you understand that Jesus did not give that as a great suggestion? He required that his disciples go there. And so the question I have is this, why? Why would Jesus ask? I mean, he's just told them what to do. If you tell me what to do, you know what I want to do? Go do it. I just, if I got to do it, if you tell me, hey, Greg, the, the yard needs to be mowed, then, then let me go mow the yard. If the car needs to be washed, let me go. If the bill is due, let me go pay it. I don't want to just, I don't want to just put off what I know I'm supposed to do. The disciples knew what they were supposed to do. Go into all the world, make disciples, disciples teaching them to do everything Jesus commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They knew what they were supposed to do, but yet Jesus pushes pause on the calendar of their life and he says, but first, wait. I'm going to talk about waiting in just a minute. Right now I'm talking about why did he tell them to wait? Because he said, you need power to do what I'm calling you to do. Jesus required this baptizing the Holy Spirit, this experience for his disciples because he knew they needed more than what their own power was able to produce. And so do I. I remember when I was a kid, I think I've told this story before, but maybe you were asleep that day. I remember when I was a kid, my dad took me to Branson and we went to, uh, back in those days, uh, the thing to do in Branson was you went to shows, like you went to a different show every night, which as an eight-year-old kid was like pretty boring. But to get to all these shows and these eating places that weren't McDonald's, so it wasn't that great for me, uh, to get to each of these shows, you had to go by the go-kart track, which for an eight-year-old boy, that is like heaven on earth is the go-kart track. I mean, that's, that's a dream for a kid to be able to drive the go-karts. And so I, I, I wore my dad out asking him, can we please stop and ride the go-karts? Maybe your kids do that to you still. Uh, mine do sometimes. But, 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 but finally, Dad acquiesced and he stopped and he let me ride the go-karts. But how do you know you don't want to ride the go-karts? You want to what? Drive. What eight-year-old boy wants to just ride? You want to drive, right? And I get there and they have those, those measuring sticks that says, in order to drive, you must be so tall. And I'm not sure where the, what, the, what the number of inches was, but whatever it was, I was like an inch short. And I was devastated. Like, this had been my dream all week long, was to drive the go-karts, and I couldn't do it. And without hesitation, my dad just looked at me and he said, don't move. And he disappeared into the, the clubhouse where you buy your tickets and stuff. And he came back out. And he'd gone inside and bought me a baseball cap. And he tightened the cap as tight as it would go. And, and he just set it on top of my head. And though I was too short to drive the go-kart or to operate in that fashion, with a hat sitting on my head, the one who was too short became more than tall enough. And I rode those things, I drove those things over and over and over again because Dad put something on me that even though I wasn't tall enough, it made me more than enough. Can I tell you, your Heavenly Father is wanting to put something on you that though you're not enough in this life by yourself, with Him you're more than enough. That's why Pentecost was a great deal. There was a great mission 
But he said, you need even greater power for this mission. It may be possible that we can do a lot for the Lord without this power. But I would say you can do so much more with his power. You can go home this afternoon and you can mow your yard with a pair of scissors. But I wouldn't recommend it. I'd recommend you get you a lawnmower. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Max Licato, one of the great voices, one of my favorite writers, Max Licato talks about in his most recent book, The Helper. Max Licato says, the promise of Pentecost is this. The Spirit turns common folks into uncommon forces. Father, would you turn us common folks into an uncommon force for the kingdom of God? Amen? I think that would be a great prayer for us to pray on Pentecost Sunday. That Lord, whatever it looks like, whatever change you have to make in me, if it's in my comfort zone or outside of my comfort zone, make me a force for Jesus. You know, there's times, I want to just give a little bit of clarity because I know I'm preaching to a we all come to this subject from a lot of different backgrounds, and sometimes we get fuzzy with our words, and sometimes we think that, that having the Holy Spirit in us and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus talks about here, we kind of think they're the same thing. And, and we've, even, we've even said things that have, when I say we, I'll say we as Spirit-filled uh, Pentecostal people, we've, we've said things that, that are actually, I believe, kind of hurtful to the other members of the body of Christ. We've said things like, well, you know, if you haven't experienced spirit baptism, then you really don't have the Holy Spirit in you, which is false. I think it's John chapter 20 where Jesus told his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit took up residence in them. But then in Acts chapter 2, we find out that he didn't just want the Holy Spirit in them. He wanted them baptized. How many of you in the room have been baptized in water? Right? What, what do you do? You go into the water. Now, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a scientist, but if there's one in the house, they could tell you that, that right now your body is made of a certain percentage of water, right? There's water in you. Your cells are made up of water. But when we get baptized, it's not that you're getting more water in you. It's that you are now getting into the water yourself. That's how Holy Spirit baptism works. You have the Holy Spirit in you beforehand. But when he baptizes you, you are putting yourself in him. He is clothing you with power you didn't have before. I once heard someone arguing. They, they said things like this. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit baptism makes you more, uh, more powerful? Or do you think it makes you better than me? And the person responded very wisely and said, no, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than I was before. And I need the Holy Spirit to make me better than I was before. Amen? 
Sometimes I'm, I'm dealing with my kids and I realize, Holy Spirit, I need you to make me better than I was before. Sometimes I'm just trying to be your pastor and I understand, Holy Spirit, I need you to make me better than I was before. Sometimes I'm trying to be a husband and I understand, Holy Spirit, I need you to make me better than I was before. And the good news is when we come to him, he never throws us away. He never casts us off, but he, he, he ushers his power into us like never before. And so whatever you've experienced before, I just want to say he has more for you. He has more for you. That's why Pentecost was required. Number two, second question. Why is waiting? You ever asked this question before? Why is waiting part of receiving from God? He said, don't leave Jerusalem, but, what's that next word? But Wait. King James Version says, tarry, but wait for the gift my father promised. I bring up this subject because most of us don't like waiting. Does anyone in the room like to wait? If so, I need you to come pray for me that I can receive some of the patience God has bestowed upon you. Waiting's not my jam. It's not my thing. Most of us in this room, you have spent money because you don't like to wait. If you go to Disney World, you can buy a ticket, and you're going to spend, I don't know, $200 for a ticket, but then they'll sell you for another $100 a lightning pass so that you can have the same experience quicker. Some of you in this room, you remember when you had the iPhone, and then you bought an iPhone 3 because it's supposed to be faster, and then you had an iPhone 8, but you upgraded to the X because it's supposed to be faster. And then you had the X and you upgraded to whatever the newest thing app. And you keep spending, you keep investing because you like it faster. But when it comes to the things of the Lord, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the first instruction Jesus says is to go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait goes against everything I want to do. But he tells them right up front, Receiving may require some waiting. Do you know why Jesus told him to wait? I don't. I don't know if it's because he wanted this endowment of power. The early ch- I don't know if he wanted the early church's birthday where the harvest of the New Testament church began with this celebration of harvest that was uh, instituted in the Old Testament. He wanted these two things to line up. I don't know if, if God was just being that strategic or there's other things that I don't understand. I don't know why. But I know that often receiving from Him takes a season of seeking Him. Does it always work that way? Absolutely not. Can, can Jesus change someone's heart and life in a moment? Sure. Can some people just say, a prayer to receive baptism of the Holy Spirit and one prayer and one moment? Absolutely. I'll never forget a few years ago, I had a young lady walk into my office. I'd never seen her before in my life. She's probably 22 years old. I, I since learned her story. She was at home that morning watching Christian television. And some preacher on the television talked about salvation. And this girl who was not a Christ follower, was in the, she was in the home of her mother-in-law, 
knew that her mother-in-law was a Christ follower, heard this preacher give an altar call on television. She prayed the prayer with this preacher, walked into the kitchen and told her mother-in-law, listen, I just gave my life to Jesus. Her life was changed. She knew it was changed. But she looked at her mother-in-law and she said, what now? And her mother-in-law said, well, I don't don't know. You 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 probably need to be baptized in water and then there's this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You probably need to do both those things and you know, just, you're saved, but, you know, those are two things you can now do. She said, how do I do that? I don't know. Let's go see the pastor. So they came to my office. This girl had been saved 20 minutes. I mean, she didn't live far from the church. She walked in, and she said, I just got saved. I want to I I I I do these two things. And I said, well, you can't get baptized in water because our tank is empty. And it takes, like, six hours to fill it up, and then it's freezing cold. It takes another six hours to get it warm. But so... I wouldn't do that today. She goes, what about the other thing? Can I be baptized in the Holy Spirit real quick? <laughs> and this is literally how the conversation went. I was like, we can try. I mean, me, great man of faith. Sure, let's give it a shot. And I literally, no music, no church service, I was going to pray for her in my office, but she told me, she said, don't you think we should go in the sanctuary? I said, sure. So we walked into the sanctuary with her mother-in-law, and I literally barely laid my hands on her. I didn't even have time to say, Jesus. And she immediately, a girl that didn't know, I mean, if you would have asked her who Matthew was, she would have said the guy down the street. She didn't know anything about the Bible. Immediately began to pray in an unknown language. And weeks later, her mother-in-law lets me know that everything about her life has changed. She didn't, she didn't know that some of the things that were active in her life were actually vices and sinful behavior. But she just, she just broke them off. The Holy Spirit broke them off of her immediately. So I, I said all that story to say this. I understand that Jesus can do anything he wants to in a moment. And I pray he'll do that for you today. But if he doesn't. The gain is worth the wait. The prize is worth the seeking. And the word says, if you will seek him, you will find him when you search with him for him with all your heart. I don't know why God requires waiting sometimes. I, I know that, that back in January, I, I, I started trying to adjust my diet a little bit. And about Two weeks into it, I felt this feeling I'd never felt. Or I'm not just going to say I'd never felt it before. I hadn't felt it in a long time. You know what the feeling was I felt? Hunger. <laughs> before, I never was hungry because if I got close to hungry, I'd just grab a Reese's peanut butter cup out of the freezer and fix that thought. Sometimes I think waiting allows our hunger for God to be awakened. Sometimes I believe we're so busy filling our life with other things, but we don't have time for hunger for the things of God to develop. Well, what, what if they were waiting, like were they twiddling their thumbs, were they sitting in the waiting room of the house, what were they doing? Well, they were, we know that they were worshiping, we know they were praying, we knew they were encouraging one another, most likely reflecting on Scripture. They're waiting on the Lord. And I would just say this to you this morning. If you've been seeking the Lord 
for a long time or if you're determined today, you know, I know God has more for me. And whatever that is, I'm going to begin to be a greater seeker of that. Understand that seeking time is not wasted time. We were driving home from Branson this past week, and we, weren't, we were like between Branson and Harrison, maybe Branson and Hollister. Like we were just, we, we had a long way to go. And one of my kids asked, Dad, are we there yet? And Megan responded, she said, Babe, we're closer than we've been all day. <laughs> and we had that interaction like many times between Branson and home. Every time Nora asked, the answer was the same. We're closer than we've been all day. So sometimes we think waiting time is wasting time, but we're actually traveling and God is working. He's moving us even while we're seeking help. So never believe that waiting time is wasting time because you never know what God is doing. Here's a third question. Well, Pastor, understand that Jesus required it. That's how he birthed the older, early church. And when I say required, you understand that I'm not speaking about salvation. Right? You're, we're there, right? Yes, Jesus requires salvation, but, but Pentecost is not about salvation. It's about the endowment of power for the work of ministry. So understand that Jesus required that for the early church. That's how he birthed the early church. Understand, uh, you know, that it may require some seeking and waiting on God's timetable, not, not my timetable. But what difference? I mean, what difference does it make? What difference does the power of the Holy Spirit have in a person's life? Well, in, in chapter 2, verse number 30 of Acts, the Scripture says that when people from every nation heard people speaking in languages that they weren't taught but actually made sense to them, they began to wonder, what is going on? And Peter, who couldn't even stand up to a Girl Scout the night of the crucifixion, gets up and preaches to 3,000 people. I'm sorry, preaches to thousands of people, 3,000 of them come to know the Lord, come become Christ's followers today. And the only real difference we know is that he received power that he didn't have before. Pentecost had happened in his life. It was the historical mark of the birth of Jesus. Just a very, a very quick survey of the New Testament will reveal that the disciples after Pentecost were more effective than the disciples before Pentecost. And the difference was what happened on the day of Pentecost. What difference does it make? Well, I want to give you three differences it makes. Number one, people come to Jesus. It doesn't matter what we do as the people of God if people aren't coming to Jesus. I want to say it again. It doesn't matter what we do for God if people aren't coming to Jesus. All the rest of it is, is just substitutes. The main goal of Pentecost is those who are far from God can be made near to God. The Word says, you will become my witnesses. I heard a preacher say just this past week, he really slapped me across the face when he said it. He said, people who claim to be Pentecostal and who have never won someone to the Lord are not Pentecostal. They're simply bilingual. 
Why? Because the power is not to make us feel good. It's to make us do good. It's to make us be the people that God's called us to be. Isn't that what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? He said, if I speak in tongues of angels, if I prophesy, if I do all these things, but I don't love people, if I'm not bringing people to the kingdom, aren't I just a clinging symbol? So the first thing it does, it brings people to Jesus. Number two, it trans, transforms people personally. Peter went from a denier to a bold preacher. He went from being wishy-washy to the person Jesus always proclaimed him to be. Peter, upon my rock, I'll build this church. Me, if you want to come, I'm going to finish this up. And see, our perspective of people was transformed. Do you know that it was the Pentecostal experience, and this, this could be its own message, it probably should, but in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 11, the early church, though it was active, was suffering from incredible prejudice. And there were still people that thought, Salvation through Jesus is only, it's only available to certain people, certain class, classification of people, only available, some people thought it was only available to Jewish people or different sects of Jewish people. And you come into, you come into the story of Peter where he has this vision on a housetop and God drops this picnic, if you will, that's full of all these foods that were considered not to be kosher. They were unclean. And the Lord tells him, hey, eat these things. And Peter said, no, 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 I'm not going to touch those things. Those are unclean things. If I touch them, they're going to make me unclean, so I'm not going to touch those things. And Jesus says, hey, don't, don't, touch, don't call anything unclean that I've created. And about that time, there's a knock at the door. And he's in, he receives an invitation to go to a man named Cornelius who is not, he's not of the right ethnicity to be a Jesus follower in many, many people's minds. And the Spirit of God tells them, go with them. And so Peter goes to their house and he begins to preach Jesus to this man. And the Bible says, as he's preaching Jesus, that Cornelius and his household began this same experience. The Lord falls upon them and they began to speak in other tongues that the Holy Spirit is giving them the ability. And Peter gets called on the carpet in chapter 11. Some people said, how dare you preach the gospel to someone like that? And Peter says, hey, all I can tell you is I was preaching and as I was preaching, the Lord gave this gift to them. And the whole church council said, man, if the Lord has given to them what he gave to us, then who are we to say that they are not included in the body of Christ? It served to expand the vision of the early church. And that's what Pentecost should do to us. It should give us a heart for people that though they may be different from us, we understand God loves them and he wants them part of his kingdom. Here's my fourth point. We're going to pray. Here's the last question, perhaps the most important question. What priority am I personally placing on receiving more from God? I don't know how many in this room are planners. I, I like to, at the beginning of the year, 
and I do it several times a year, I kind of think about what, what do I want to do this next year, what I want to do this next quarter, what books I want to read, where I want to take the family on vacation. What, it's so easy to plan so many things of our life, but we never plan on growing in the Lord. We just think, if God wants me to grow, He'll grow me. What priority are we placing? The, the disciples, they heard the priority of Jesus. Go, basically, Jesus said, everything else about what you're going to do for me can wait until you first receive something from me. So I want to challenge you today to seek the Lord in this area of your life and to seek Him without fear of disappointment, seek Him without fear of error, seek Him without fear of, of, uh, of, of what people are going to think because this is His personal promise. You know, Jesus said, if you being a good father know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. We've got to turn our hearts into a tabernacle of God's presence. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, don't you know your, yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. The last thing I want to share with you, I'm, I'm scanning through real quick because I want to be able to pray with those who want to pray. The last thing I want to call your attention to is that Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will baptize them. He will give this power to them as He seeks them. But it's not a, it's not a one and done event. Christ continually has more and more and more for you. My final question was this. What priority are we receiving on receiving? What are we setting on receiving more from Him? We're going to end this service this way, Father. We're just going to seek You. We're going to seek Your promises to be filled in us for Your glory. If you're willing to just join me in a moment of seeking whatever it is He has for us, or do you have whatever he has for you and me? Would you join me by standing across this room today? And we're just going to seek his presence. We're going to start just by with a moment of worship. We're going to ask the Lord to just fill our hearts with his presence, fill our lives with his presence. We're just going to focus on him for a few moments and we'll pray specifically. If you would like personal prayer this morning for something going on in your family or something about what was preached this morning, I'd be happy to pray for you. You can make your way down at any moment uh, during this song. But let's first just focus on worshiping Him, then we'll pray. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.